0: Moment, I just want to pour into you wherever you are, whoever you are. This church is for everyone. I'm gonna read the Bible if that's okay. If we do that in church, John chapter 8, verse 12, we got one verse today. That's it, so beautiful. When Jesus spoke again to his people, he said, I am the light of the world. Yeah, yeah, he is. <laughs> I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I'm going to read it one more time. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, not me, Jesus. He is the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but have the light of life. Bow your heads and close your eyes if you're with me tonight. I'm going to pray real quick before we start. Lord I love you. I thank you so much for what you're doing here in the city of Pointeana, God. Man, just the audience here is enough to prove, God, that you have not given up on us. Just the people here, God, seeking your face, God, and ready to listen from a word that would come from heaven, God, just proves to us, God, that you are still in love with us. So crazy. It's wild how much you love us, God. And so in this moment, God, I want to rid me of myself. I don't want to be the one speaking on this altar, God. I want it to be you speaking through me because I know that I could never save these people, God. I didn't die on the cross for them. You did. So in this moment, Jesus, I separate myself from everything that I would like, from everything that I could desire, God, and I just want you to move in my life and move through my mouth, God, and speak to these people. I pray that everything that I say, God, may fall to the earth and die, but everything that you say through me, God, may pierce the hearts and be seed planted into the hearts of every single person in this room. I know you love them, God, so in this moment, feed them and speak to them. Come on, in this moment, real quick, just the next 30 seconds, just under your breath, Say a small prayer to God. Say, God, speak to me. Come on, we'll take it a step further. Say, God, if you're real, would you speak to me today? Come on, everybody says amen, amen, amen. So good, so good. Yeah, we can clap it up. Let's go. The reason I said that little last part of my prayer when I said God, speak to me is because so many times we look at humanity to prove the existence of God um, when we should just ask God to do it himself. And so I don't want you to think that tonight I'm going to give you scientific notation. I failed maths, and so I don't want to do that. I don't want you to think I'm going to give you an anatomy lesson to teach you how God is real or anything like that. I'm just going to give you an invitation. Tonight is not about me proving that God is real. I'm going to, I believe he'll do that on his own. He's God. I'm going to let him do that. I'm going to let him do what he does best. And so in this moment, I just want to invite you into a brand new life. And so I, I'm a I'm a principal's kid, so I'm not really a pastor's kid, but I still kind of underline in that PK status, right? And so it's kind of a blessing and a curse to being a principal's kid. One of the blessings is that uh, my mom, she likes to throw this senior trip for all the senior classes. Uh, sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes it does. Um, for my year, it happened, and so it was lit two years before that. It was really cool. Um, where we go on a cruise for seven days, seven or eight days. I don't know exactly how much it was. Seven or eight-day cruise, and so... These cruises is where I detach myself from who I was and I create this new identity and it's a much better looking, more handsome, more attractive dentist who's probably two years older if any of the ladies on the boat are asking, right? So about four years ago, I'm on like my third or second cruise, we do one every single summer and about like four years ago I think it was, I was on one of the cruises with me and one of my best friends Jose and um... Man, it was, it, was just, it was crazy. Like as soon as you enter the boat, all you smell is like burgers and it's not great value burgers, like it's really good burgers and it's unlimited. Like literally I can go order a burger, leave it at my table, not even eat it. Go be like, hey, I want two more burgers. They'll give it to me on the spot, leave it at my table. Be like, hey, I want seven more burgers. Seven, are you sure you want like 10? And I'm like, yo, I'll take 10 bro. Some Asian guys are always cooking for me and they're killing it, like they're really good. Yes, sir, I got you, sir. Yo, you're the best, bro. Like, cook it up, boy. Like, you're a homie. I love them. We create this relationship. They're from the other side of the world, but I feel like we're one because they're cooking me and serving me all the time. Every single night, we're having parties. We're turning up. Like, literally, by the pool, they have loudspeakers, a light system kind of like this, and literally, you're just meeting random people, and you're just doing one of these because, like, Because nobody really knows how to dance because you're on a cruise. Everybody's, like, really full from the food. So you're just like, dude, like, we're we're turning up. Lights are strobing in your face. You're like, oh, I can't even see. But you're having a great time. But there always gets to this one point in the cruise where I got to go to my room because I got to wake up in 20 minutes. (laughs) And so after I'm turning up, after I'm, like, looking at the girls, like, yo, what's up, bro? My name is Dennis. I'm 25 years old. Like... I'm not, I'm not. I go to my room, I remember this one time, if you're like me, you kind of get in your feelings a lot. Um, I stopped that recently because it sucks, right? But back like four years ago when I'm saying this story, I would get in my feelings like all the time. Like I would look at this girl, I would like strike a pose, what's up pretty mama, how you doing? She would turn around, not look my way, and I was like, oh, so that's how you feel, you wanna break my heart. Dropping like a whole mixtape on how she hurt me, right? And so I'm walking to my room, my parents are already asleep It's like 4 in the morning and I'm playing like some like super sad music And I'm just like, she didn't even look at me I'm on a cruise, like this is what you do when you're on a cruise You turn up with anybody and she was so beautiful Like this random girl, I never even knew her Don't know her name, I still don't know her name Like she's probably somewhere else in the world And I'm like, oh dang, like I thought she was the one Not really, I'm just being extra Oh man, like she was just so cool Never spoke to her. Oh my God, like, she just changed my whole world. Didn't even look at me. I walk into my room, I see my parents are sleeping. I'm liking my feelings, blasting music. I don't wanna go to sleep yet. And so I walk to the balcony on the edge of the boat and I'm on this balcony listening to love music. God, am I this ugly? Like, what's going on, bro? (laughs) you made me right like I should be able to do anything because if you made me like I'm hot right like you to, right so I'm looking at it and and man it gets to this point where I realize exactly where I am I'm on a boat at 4 3 o'clock in the morning in the middle of nowhere I literally hear waves crashing but it's so dark outside I can't even tell the division between the sky and the floor yes that's what we'll be doing the parties at the Just turn up right it's how it works. Drop the shoulder a little bit. She's, look, she's looking at you. She's like, oh, whoa. And I'm just like, oh. And then some guy passes me, and he's like, what's up, bro? And I'm like, oh. She's like, dang, you really did me like that, bro. We were just dropping shoulders together. So after beautiful moments, like I'm back in the balcony. It's so dark. Like, I, I, I don't even know the separation from the sky and the ocean. Like, it's literally that dark. And I'm, like, on the balcony, and I'm like, whoa, like, there's nothing there and I could hear the whoosh of the waves, I can hear the wind blowing like this big old boat is going fast as heck and I'm like dude like it's rocking and I'm like dude I don't see anything I feel like we're floating in outer space and I remember looking and I'm like dang like I'm focused on this girl and and the good time I had and the depressing moment where she left me for some guy she never even met but she never met me and, and all this stuff is happening and I'm like dang I really have no idea where I'm at like it's so dark. Like, I'm, I'm living my own life, but I'm looking like, whoa, like, there's no water, but I hear the water. There's no wind, but I hear the wind. All I see is stars, and I'm like, yo, like, this is really scary. I got a minor, like, anxiety panic attack. I'm on this balcony at the edge of the water. Like, if this breaks, I am lost. Nobody will find me. I can't even see the water. If I fall off this balcony, I'm gone. Bye, Dennis. My parents would just adopt or something. So I'm like really nervous, and I'm like, whoa, like I am so small in this giant world. I had one of those like stay woke moments where I was just like, holy cow, this is really crazy. And so tonight, the reason I share this story is because whether we believe in the same God or not, whether we follow him like like I do or like she does or he does, man, we can all agree on this one thing, and it's that just like that balcony, there are moments in our life where we realize this is a dark world. Man, whether you're following Jesus 110% or not, I believe we can all agree tonight in this very moment, 8.17 p.m. on a Wednesday night, May 9th, 2018, that this world is a dark place. You have to go out with your kids wondering what you're going to do if someone were to threaten your life. What? I have to go to school wondering who am I going to save first if somebody comes in. There are moments where you literally have to risk, am I saving myself or am I saving someone I don't even know? There are moments where literally I go to a restaurant and I don't want my back towards the door because I'm afraid and I have to look at the door, but sometimes somebody wants to sit there and I'm just freaking out the entire time I'm at the restaurant. We're living in a dark world, guys. And so like I said earlier, in this moment, I don't want to prove to you the existence of God. I don't want to philosophically challenge your brain. I don't want to give you algorithms or whatever that even means to show you that God is real in this moment I want to give you an invitation and maybe you've been in a balcony just like me one day in your life or maybe your bedroom and you've been thinking to yourself man I really have no idea where I'm going man, life really seems so, like, just unbalanced right now. Like, I have no idea what's going on. I'm trying to grab onto it, but the tighter I grab onto life, like, the more it slips away. And I'm trying to organize myself, but I feel like the more I write things down on paper, the more they go all over the place. And every time I try harder to organize things, I just keep fighting, and I just keep hurting, and I just keep lying, and I just keep cheating, and I just keep doing all these things. And the more I try to condense it all together, the more it just slips away. See, the reason we call this Andrew Knight uh, Keepers of the Night is because I, I, I can't promise you that the night will go away. I can't promise you that the darkness will disappear. But I do know one thing. And it's that in these dark moments in this world that we live in that seems like a never-ending nighttime, we're all called to keep something. See, we're all called to keep the light. See, the world just gets darker and darker and darker. So if you really want to change the world, you wouldn't focus on On all these things, you would focus on having the light that would push away the darkness. See, if you are taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down. Note number one, the light isn't something to chase. It's someone to have. You see, so many times we think that we have to do things and go somewhere and accomplish things and travel the world in order to find inner peace, in order to do all these things, that the more we cross off our bucket list, the more satisfied we'll be. But at the end of the day, if you really want the light that we're searching for, you're not chasing after something, you're looking for someone. See, I I love in this verse, man, John chapter 8, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, he doesn't promise that everything will disappear, but he does promise you'll have life. He doesn't promise the darkness will disappear, but he does promise that you'll be able to walk in it. See, in this moment, I don't want you to chase after something. See, religion will always tell you to chase after something, but a relationship will always just call you to receive. See, so many times we're focused on what religion says and, and religion this and religion that and these rules, but religion was telling me this, so I can't follow Jesus because that's not what religion says. But Jesus is saying, listen, I don't want to establish another religion in this world. I want to create a relationship with you. And so in these moments, everything that you know about religion, everything you know about theology, and everything you know about all these things, man, put that to the side. Today I want to focus on Jesus. See, and Jesus wants to develop a relationship with you. I want to focus on this one word Jesus said as we're t- kind of talking about relationships. He says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Come on, repeat after me. Say, whoever. Whoever. Come on, say it one more time. Say whoever. whoever. One more time. Say whoever. whoever. Come on, we got to mean this thing. Whoever. Jesus says whoever. You see, I love the fact that Jesus didn't say everyone. He said whoever. Because if Jesus would have said everyone, he would have separated everyone who does believe and everyone who doesn't believe. And so the moment Jesus says whoever, that means he's establishing a door that will never close to anyone See in John 3:16 he says this for God to so love the world that he gave we talked about that an offering that whoever believes in me I believe when the writer was writing this it wasn't whoever it was whoever Whoever wants to do this thing let's do it. See point number 2 is that following Jesus receiving Jesus isn't an obligation it's an invitation. Come on, yeah. You don't have to do this. I'm going to take it a step further, pastor, don't get scared. You don't have to come to church. You you don't have to follow Jesus. You don't have to be light in this dark world. You don't have to read your Bible every day. You don't have to do these things. You see, it's not an obligation. It's an invitation. So it's not that we have to. It's that we get to. See, this is an opportunity. See, again, if I were proving the existence of God, then I would be obliging you because if there really is a God that you're questioning, then, man, you would really have to follow this thing because it's God, like it's God. You feel me? But I'm not throwing that your way. I'm just throwing invitations. See, following Jesus, is not an obligation and it never will be. It's an invitation and it's so beautiful that he invites us. See, this sounds way too good to be true. I'm gonna lean on this because I wanna be comfortable. This sounds way too good to be true. Like this seems way too easy. And I know like a, a lot of people nowadays are like, yo, you guys are making Christianity way too easy. That's why everybody's getting saved. Like what's the catch? Like, Dennis, this seems way too simple. Like, what's the catch? And and I'm not going to lie to you, there is a catch. In order to follow Jesus, who is perfect, it kind of costs a price. Some people don't like this part. (laughs) See, because here's the thing, that an imperfect people could never have a relationship with a perfect God. It's not possible. It doesn't work that way. And so there was a price that had to be paid. The Bible says this. I'm going to paraphrase it so you can understand a little bit more. He says that whenever you sin, you got to pay up for it. The way you pay up for it is that you die. See, if, if, you, if you want to sin, go ahead. But just know you're going to have to pay for it. The way you pay for sin, super simple but kind of crazy, <laughs> is that something has to die. So there is a catch. The catch is this, that something has to die. But I love this idea. Did you know, for those that love facts, Christianity is the only world religion where when God requires something, he also gives. You see, in every religion, it will cause you to sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice. But the difference between the God we believe in is that he calls you to sacrifice, but he gives you a sacrifice. That's it. You see, we have this phrase that we like to throw around in church, and it kind of confuses us. It's that Jesus died for our sins. I might break some heads, I might crush some hearts in this moment, and, and, and I want to rebuttal that, I want to repaint the picture to help you understand this, and this is point number three, that Jesus didn't die for our sins, he died for the sinner. Let, 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 me, let me say this a little bit more, because I don't want you to be like, oh, that's, that's in the Bible, Dennis, you're going against the Bible, you're wrong. See, here's the thing whenever the Bible kind of talks about Jesus dying for our sins. He's not really dying for the sin, and we prove that in John 3:16. for God so loved the world. It doesn't say for God so loved our sins that he died for them. It says for God so loved the world. And so let me hear this out. Hear this out. When he says that Jesus died for our sins, it wasn't that he died for our sins. It was that he died for us, and he knew that if he wanted us, there was no room for our sin in our lives. See, this thing isn't about your sin. It's about you. And so when we say Jesus died for our sins, we're automatically adding a third party, that it's me, Jesus, and my sin, because he died for it. But the Bible says that when he resurrected, that sin, that whole death, that whole sin thing, it doesn't work anymore. That, that, That whole sin, that whole death thing, it has no power over me. See, but when we understand that Jesus didn't die for the sin, he died for the sinner, it gets a little bit more personal. And I like when it gets personal. It's because now Jesus isn't focused on my sin. He's focused on me because he didn't die for my sin. He died for me. And so my relationship with Christ is not about the sin that I do or don't do. It's about who I am and who he is. So I'm not focusing on sin. I am messed up. I'm sorry, God. I'm broken. I'm focusing on God. Who are you and who am I? Do you love me? Yes, you do. So I'm going to love you. I'm not focused on the mistakes I make because he didn't die for my sins. He died for me. I'm focused on who he is and how much he loves me. see, Jesus didn't die for your past. He died for you. But he knew that if he wanted a relationship with you forever, he had to get rid of the past that was going to hold you away from him. And so in this moment, understand this, that yes, he died for the whole world. An old friend of mine used to tell me this. He died for the whole world, but he also died for you. See, in this moment, I want you to understand, Jesus died for every single person in this room, but we'll take it a little bit more personal since we're on that route. He died for you and for you. And for you, and for you, and for you. He died for all of us, but he died for you. You see, there's this story. Um, I might get a little bit emotional. I always get emotional when I tell the story. I hate it. There's <laughs> a story. Some of you may know this. Some of you may not. And it's this man. I'm going to set the scene for you. This man is telling the story of another man. And he says, there's this guy one time. He was driving in the Bronx, New York. He was looking for something. He was looking for something with all he had. He was speeding. His gas was on empty, but he wasn't stopping at no gas station. He really wanted this thing. So he gets to the building. It's a huge building, like six stories tall. It's got red bricks all over it. Some of the windows are broken. They have trash bags covering them so the rain doesn't get in. Some windows have graffiti saying, stay out. Some things are just super scary. Parks his car parallel because he's a beast, right? Gets out of his car. Bleep, bleep. He's walking towards the building. He sees that the floor is cracked, that there are stairs leading up to the entrance of the building, and in those stairs there are drug dealers and gangsters holding onto weapons with girls on their laps, and they're looking at him with the meanest eyes in the world. They start taking out their weapons and getting ready. If he gets too close to them, they're gonna snap and they're gonna do something to him. They're gonna fight because they got triggered like that. And so he's walking up to the building, but he knows what he wants is on floor number three. Somebody say floor number three. So he's looking at the drug dealers. He's passing by them with their weapons and all. And he's saying, nope, I got to keep going. They're looking at him. He opens the doors of the building in the first floor, and it looks like a hospital hallway. He's looking straight down. There is blood all over the floor. There are people in the ground, and they're cutting themselves until they can't breathe no more. There are men with empty syringes in their arms so that they can stop breathing. There are people literally lying across the floor. So he's stepping over every single body, and he's saying, nope, I got to go to the third floor. Third floor. He gets to the stairs at the end of the hallway. He literally explains this so well that as he was walking up the stairs, the the building was so old that the railing was shaking. He went up the stairs. He went up the second stairs. He's on floor number two. Somebody say number two. He's on floor number two. He sees people all over the floor blindfolded. He says every person in the hallway is blindfolded. He's looking around, and they're all crying, and they all don't know what to do, and they hear his footsteps, and so they start crawling to him because they don't want to bump into anything. They start grabbing onto his clothes, onto his shirt. They start grabbing onto his hands, and they're crawling up to him, but he says, no, i got to get to the third floor. He continues to walk on through the second floor hallway, and he reaches the end. Everybody's crying, help me, mister, help me, mister. There are so many things. He says, no, I need something on the third floor. Climbs up the stairs to the third floor. He's finally where he wants to be. He's looking for room 316. The man continues to walk. He sees prostitutes laying all over the floor. He sees rappers. He sees all these syringes. He sees drugs all over the floor. He continues to walk. Room 312, 13, 14, 15, 316. Here we go. He gets to the door. I made it. He knocks on the door. As he knocks on the door, the door opens just by a crack. At this moment, he's like, well, I guess I'm going in. It's what I'm looking for. Something's in this room, and I need it. He opens the door. He looks right into it. It's a small little hallway, small little apartment. He sees the TV is on, and there are shadows moving on the wall. TV is just going through the channel, whatever it is, he walks up to the TV, he looks to the left, and as he looks to the left, he sees this man in bed with his wife. His wife finally realizes that he's in the room, so she looks at her husband in the act of adultery, and she doesn't even say words. She's trying to say sorry, but she's just mouthing into the air, not saying a single word, and her guilt is in her eyes. He's describing the story, and he had so much sadness in his heart. He looks at the man that was using his wife to cheat on him, and he looks at him, and he goes, you're fine, bro. His wife is like, what's going on here? This doesn't make sense. And so he grabs the wife the same way he grabbed her, the way they stepped into their brand new home after their wedding, and he's looking at her as he's walking through the hallway of prostitution, goes down to the second floor. All the people blindfolded, still yelling out, Mr. Help me. He's walking down with his wife that just finished cheating on him. She has a blanket over because he didn't even care about finding her clothes. He's on the first floor. He continues out through the doors, past the drug dealers, into the parking lot where his car was, and he looks at her and he smiles. The same way he looked at her on their wedding day his eyes looked at her the same way that they looked at her on their first date his smile was the exact same smile the moment that she said yes years ago and his heart was beating loud as heck like the moment when he first bought the ring his, his palms were sweating, his knees were shaking Like the moment she was walking down the aisle And he's holding his wife who just finished cheating on him With a blanket over her And he looks at her eyes He says, I love you And she responds, I might do this again See, at this moment this man is sharing the story And I'm like, yo, don't you dare love her anymore She's gonna do this again to you? You need to stop, you need to back off from that girl She's just gonna hurt you You don't deserve this And the man looks back at his wife and he says I'll always love you See, I'm mad. At this moment, I'm pissed. I'm telling this man, stop telling that story. That story's stupid. That story's whack. Man, if anybody were to tell me that, I'm dropping them on the floor at that moment, and I'm walking away. I don't care about her. She hurt me. She abandoned me. She did all these things to me. I rescued her through three three sets of stairs over all these people that I could have helped, and I chose you. The man stops me. He says, you see Dennis, you are the bride and Jesus is the husband that is willing to go three floors up and three floors down. And if you want to do it again, he'll do it all over again. And if you want to mess up again, he'll do it all over again because he loves you. It's all because he loves you. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, he doesn't care how many stairs he has to climb, he loves you and so he'll chase after you and he'll chase after you and chase after you. And with this I close. See, this whole light thing we've been talking about is only possible through Jesus. See, but the light of Jesus only springs out of the love that will never end. See, you are the bride and Jesus is the husband that will go three floors up and three floors down just for you. I believe if I was on the fifth floor, Jesus would go to the fifth floor and come back down and when I look at him in the eyes and say, God, I'm gonna sin again, I'm gonna abandon you again, he'll look at me in the face and say, if you're in this moment and you're like I can't follow Jesus it's too weird it's too difficult I don't even know if God exists man as you're doubting God he's chasing after you man as you're questioning his love he's loving you with everything he's got I believe in this moment as I was speaking and God was pouring into your life he was sitting at the edge of the chair just saying come on home I don't care what you got come on home I don't care who you are. Come on home. Man, I don't care if you believe in other things, if you love the same sex, if you hate the opposite sex. Whoever you are, whatever you believe in, just come on home. Don't worry about the problems. We'll work on those things at home. But just come home to me. But Jesus, I I can't come home. I'm on the third floor and there's too many obstacles. I'll come to you. And I'll come to you every day that I have to. Man, you can deny me for the rest of your life, but I can't just stop chasing after you. See, I love this verse in the Bible. It says that God is love. And so when we question God, why do you love me so much? The Bible tells me God is love and He can't deny who He is. See, God will never stop being Himself. And if He's love, then He'll never stop loving you. You're right. This does seem too good to be true. But it's God. And it's us. There's no room for your sin in any of this. There's no room for your mistakes in any of this. This is all about his love for you. And so in this moment, I'm going to ask that every single person in this room.